A good day to one and all. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back to yet another episode of Sometimes the Old Man is Right. As usual, I am your host, Lamont Ferguson, playing the role of the old man. The old man that's been away for quite some time. What started out is, uh, I'll just take a little break, I'll just do this, and and then every so often I'd look at the setup and say, you know what, I should do that, and then I didn't, turned into two months, two whole months. I, I hope you've been all right. I've been all right, just trying to, you know, get my bearings straight, get motivated, get focused, and here I am, behind the mic once again doling out another episode, a brand new episode, episode 36, episode 36, season two, episode 12. You know, that's for the minutia, if you're really paying attention to what goes on. I have got so much to catch you up on, and it's my fault. You know, I'm the one that wasn't doing the podcast episodes, but I jotted stuff down. I was ready for this moment when this moment would arise, and I'm I'm up to the moment. How are you doing? How's it going? What's the good word? What's up, Podnas? I hope you are all well. I am fine. Thanks for asking. I am currently in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the capital of Canada where I am finishing up my second week performing here in Ottawa. And then on Tuesday, I will head to Toronto to conclude the entire Canadian trip, the Ontario Canadian trip on this particular run. It has been nice. Last time we spoke, I was on a ship or going to a ship, and those days seemed like they were 100 years ago. So some of that was fun as well. I, I I probably should have listened to the previous podcast to see where it was. I think it was, matter of fact, I do know when it was. It was October 8th was the last podcast. So I had been on a ship since then. And I will uh, catch you up on that and all other Lamont Ferguson, I Love Lucy antics. As I said, I'm here in Ontario and Ottawa. One of my top two favorite clubs, period, altogether, Absolute Comedy. You know, number one is the Comedy and Magic Club at Hermosa Beach. And uh, this is this is up there, especially here in Ottawa, where they're really good crowds. They're very appreciative. They're, the city is, you know, federal workers, so they, they want to get l- cut loose, you know, get out of the cubicle every so often. So it's turned out to be, I don't know, over a decade of coming up here. I would say it's probably close to 14 years. Obviously, there was an absence when we got put on world timeout. But other than that, 14 years of coming up here, always delightful. This is an interesting time because it is holiday season. So it's holiday party season. So it becomes a ton of shows, a lot of shows. I I was... I got in last Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago and no days off and you're just doing shows every day, three shows on Friday, three shows on Saturday. It's 
it's quite a workload of being funny. And this is Saturday that I'm recording this this particular episode, and I'm resting here before I have to do three shows tonight after doing three shows last night. But, you know, is what it is. I could have no shows. And no shows, that that's not good. So many shows is much better than no shows. So as much as I will complain, I won't complain. You understand that? You understand how that works? But I've had a very nice time. I've played some pickleball. Oh, yeah. I am infecting the comedy community of Ottawa with the pickleball virus at whatever highest rate that I possibly can. So I did, what did I play? On the first week, I played on Sunday. Uh, Someone got together, rented a court at their indoor rec center type of deal. And very nice courts, seven courts, very lovely facility, very nicely organized. And so that happened for an hour on Sunday. Then I went and played uh, their pickup drop-in for $5 on Friday for two hours. That was nice. And the pickleball community was lovely as usual. Uh, This was mostly beginners. So I was doing what I could to help teach the people that would like to be taught because I've I've learned that it's pickleball, it's bad pickleball etiquette to be coaching when no one asked to be coached, which I think that's, that's poor etiquette no matter what in life. Unless you ask you, nobody asked you, then just just be quiet. You can offer, hey, can I make a suggestion if it's not too much trouble? That's how you do it. You don't just start coaching. So I uh, I played the etiquette game, and people were very nice and needed help from time to time, mostly with the scoring and possibly with stance and how to, to, to put the ball back over the net and what they're looking for. So it was very nice. They were very lovely people. Now, tomorrow I've rented a court and it was supposed to be about five or six of us going out there, but they're comics. So one by one, they are flaking out. Uh, Some not flaking. Uh, One has prior commitments to his family. So, you know, that works. (laughs) That works. I'll go family over pickleball. Although I don't, I don't know if that's a very popular thing in the pickleball community. I think it's pickleball amongst everything else. But so we'll see what we can do. I've rented it for two hours. I've got people that will be there for the first hour. And maybe I'll just kind of send up a pickleball bat signal for the people in the Ottawa community saying, hey, I need one or two players. Uh, all you do is show up. You don't have to pay anything. I got you. And uh, we'll play on Sunday from 2 to 3. So we'll see. We'll see what that happens. As I said, the shows, well, let, let's keep on topic. <clears throat> let's let's keep so I'm not jumping around. Let me get you all the pickleball information out of the way. And then we can get to other information. That way, you know, all the people that keep complaining about me talking about pickleball so much, you can just fast forward this part. Fast forward for, I don't know. 10 minutes, and then it'll be onto a different topic. Or or you can sit and listen to the joys of pickleball. On Friday, when I went to the RA Center, I had something interesting happen. Now, this is uh, 
I guess it takes a turn from the whole fun and frivolity of the pickleball and my enthusiasm about it. But this has to do with people, just people in general. And how, as a society, we won't admit to our biases or prejudices. Let's say that, as opposed to our racism. Because there's sometimes where racism has such a deep, harsh connotation, because it is deep and harsh, but there are degrees, and that's part of the problem, is that people don't understand the degrees of racism, and the entry-level degree of racism is prejudice. And we are all predisposed to some sort of prejudice that has to do with ignorance, uh, that we don't know any better, not being educated enough, or or just that, you know, hey, these are the tendencies. We don't know that we've been programmed in these particular ways. And people don't. Now, here in Canada, <clears throat> their racism, racism problem is not as vast as America. But it does exist. And you can't, you don't ask the majority if it exists. You ask the minorities if it exists. Because if you ask the majorities, they will tell you, oh no, we're good. Of course they're good. Because nobody's saying anything about them. Nobody's acting any differently towards them. You have to go to the minorities. It's an odd thing. I, look, I'm going to tell you people something right now. I talked this uh, about this to a, a friend of mine, a comic who's on the show, who's Egyptian. And I said, it's odd that white people don't notice. They don't notice what they're doing, but we as minorities notice all the time. And it's not a point that we're looking for. It. When I go anywhere, especially in Canada, I'm not looking for racism or to be treated any differently because I'm black, especially not Canada, because I know that it's different than America. But when I see it, I, I it, it pops up as a mental note where like, what the hell just happened? What possibly could that have been that just happened? So pickleball is primarily it's a white sport. It is. I, I've, I've seen one or two people of color at my regular place that I play in Lakewood, California that come there semi-regularly. But amongst the people, there are six courts that we can have going, which is four players on each. That's 24 players. I will normal, I will be the only black person there. I would say normally, but it's the, it, it is. I was trying to be polite, but I'll be the only black person there. In the mornings when they show up and we only are running four courts, uh, 16 people, I'm the only black person there. I'm the only black person that has been at these things here in Ottawa. And uh, I know it is a white sport. If you look at the pro tour, there are no black people. There are no, there are no black folks playing in the pros. So it's primarily a white sport. Fine. I don't care. It's a sport. It's a thing I love. Everyone has been friendly and nice to me. It is what it is. Now, when I go for this uh, drop-in, you have to sign up 72 hours ahead of time, and the, the slots go fast. It costs $5. Uh, you get right there at the 72-hour mark. You're sitting there waiting online. You sign up. You pay. You put your name in. Boom, you're done. You're ready to go. So on 
what, Tuesday I signed up for Friday. Uh, It's 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I get there. There is a uh, kind of like a pickleball lounge. There's a bar. There's a, a, a lobby type of area where you sit, the big window wall where you can watch people playing and stuff like that. It's a very comfortable place. So I get there. I see a lot of the people sitting there. Now, granted, I don't live here. I don't know any of these people. I get there. It's mostly older people. I don't care. I'm old. I'm an old man. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm an old man. These are my people. And I go and sit at the table just by myself. I don't say anything to anyone. I just put my backpack down, my paddles down, and I sit at the table. Uh, I see a lady because I was told at the desk when I walked into the, the rec center, you check in with the ambassador who is there in the lounge, at the pickleball lounge. So I get there. I see the ambassador. It's a lady who has a clipboard. and She's going to different groups of people sitting at the table, explaining to them what is going to happen when they go in there. Because I'm 10 minutes early. We're all 10. It's 10 minutes to 11 right now. I see her walk to the table that is right across from me that has two people sitting at it. And she says to them what is going to go on. I turn and expect her to make a walk towards me. I look at her. She looks and then promptly walks another direction. Doesn't come over to me that's sitting there like she came over to two people that were sitting at a table. She just looks, walks another direction. I then get up and walk towards her. I get to her. Another person comes up and they said, oh, I'm here. I'm going to play. She looks at her clipboard, highlights their name, turns towards me and proceeds to walk away again. This is when I go, what in the hell is going on? She then walks to another table and starts talking to them. I'm stand I can I'm almost in her personal space is how close I am to her. She then finally after those people had left after she spoke to them turns to me and says, "Oh, are you going to play or are you playing?" And I said, "Yes, I'm on the list." And then she looks for my name, finds it, and then that's that. Now I'm going to tell you something. To anyone who was not paying attention or watching, they go, oh, well, you know, maybe she didn't see you. Maybe she, she looked at me twice. One time I was in arm's length of her and she walked away. General customer service would be, I'm going to take care of everyone who's in this lounge because everyone who's in this lounge, most possibly are people who are here to play pickleball. There's no reason to otherwise to be in the lounge. And the idea that she just ignored me or brushed past me, let's not say racism, but let's say it's a prejudice that, well, why would this black guy be here for pickleball? So I'm not going to speak to him. Why would I? He can't be here for this. That is 100% on the head. And it's... It was odd. It was very annoying and it was disappointing because it was Canada, but it also, you know, wasn't too surprising because this is the type of thing that goes on. Now, I know if white people will have all a myriad of excuses, 
to say why she did this and that, oh, she's not racist. I'm not saying she's racist. I'm saying that there are preconditioned or conditioning things that take place with people in society that trains them to be prejudiced about one thing or another towards people of color. And this was, like I said, a prime example of that. There was no way that you just don't, or you just walk up when she first went to the two people who were at a table that were next to me and she went to look at me and then turned and went the other direction. Why wouldn't you just walk over and go, oh, are you here for pickleball? Just ask that question. She couldn't be bothered because in her mind, she had already made up her mind that this, this, this person was not here for pickleball. So I'm not going to waste my time. And that was the only downside to the pickleball thing that's taken place here in Ottawa. It's been a reminder, like I said, a little more of a wake-up call that, uh, one, it is a very white sport, and two, that this prejudice uh, exists even here in Canada, which is a shame. And I don't know how we get out of it. I really don't. I don't know how we get out of the idea of seeing a person of color in a particular area and then saying, oh, well, they can't be here for this because I don't normally see people who look like that here for this. And when people of color complain about it, maybe white folks should listen instead of automatically giving an excuse. Because it sounds to me when you're automatically giving an excuse, you're doing it to help justify your shitty behavior. Because you may have done that in the past as well. And it no one wants to see that in themselves. I get it. I, I completely get it. No one wants to see that because it is a flaw. And no one who who is against racism or prejudice wants to see that as a flaw within themselves. But it take it from minority. Listen to I, I think I talked about this before in many episodes. Instead of automatically making excuses. Stop talking and listen. Stop talking and listen. And you'll hear someone like me who just went for the love of the game. I didn't go to say, you know what? Hey, white people, black people are here now and we're taking, I, I, you know, I don't go in like that. I don't go in like that at all. But I just went in as a guy that loved pickleball and within a few minutes, I was reminded, you're a black guy who's here to play pickleball. So that is how we start because I wanted to go in chronological order. I know it was supposed to be about the thrill and love of pickleball. I'm going to go back to pickleball later on in this. And then, you know, when the people I said, hey, this will be about pickleball, it'll be 10 minutes. It turns out it wasn't about pickleball at all. This is probably why I don't do the podcast regularly, because for crying out loud, I don't even know what I'm doing, sitting here prattling on. But that's the deal. Uh, there was something else that happened last night after the show. It, it's odd that both of these things happen on the same day. And it's weird because, you know, uh, when I get to play pickleball, that's a good day. That's a great day. All it is is nothing but a great day. Puts me in a nice frame of mind, gets all the, uh, uh, what is it, serotonin, whatever those uh, 
things that make you happy, all that type of chemical going on, that it it's great. It's fantastic. I played pickleball, and I had three show night, and I didn't care. You know why? Because I got to play pickleball. But at the show, so when the club is busy, they have, a, they have a showroom that's upstairs. They have a little bar that's downstairs that they also have turned into a showroom. So when there's overflow, they will put a show on simultaneously. Two shows simultaneously. So it's your comic who's, I'm here headlining this week. I will go downstairs and start that show at a little bit before 8 o'clock and host for the first couple of comics. So I go up and do 15 minutes, bring up a comic, and then uh, they'll do seven minutes, and then I go and do another 13 minutes, and then I head upstairs where it'll be 10 minutes before I go on to close the show. It's a crazy thing. It's like a cartoon factory that goes on here. So the show downstairs was a group of uh, teachers at a French Catholic high school. I'm going to say this, not saying this to suck up. You know the deal. Not out here to suck up to anyone. I say sincere thoughts about what it is I talk about. They may have been, that. I take, no, take May out of. They were the finest audience I have seen since coming back uh, to work, which would have been in November, last November. So over a year. A group of teachers and they were the best audience I've seen all the year of coming back. And I, I don't know how far back I'd have to go to find an audience that was as good as they were. They're one of the best audience I've ever performed for. Smart, obviously, they're teachers. And appreciative and just fun-loving folks. And it was fantastic. Uh, I then head upstairs to do the uh, Friday night early show there, which has uh, three particular parties. I think it's a uh, 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 plumbers, uh, a group of electricians, I believe, and then one other party. I don't really know what the other party was. And it doesn't matter to me because I'm not catering the show to the party. They're telling me who's at the show. Okay, whatever it is, what it is. I went up and the show was okay. Like the show, the shows here are normally good. And it was that. It was a normally good show. It was nothing in comparison to the people downstairs, but it was an all right show. Nothing that was uh, horrible. Uh, it was, you know, a, a, a fun time. Got through the show. Everything was good. Now, during the show, in the first couple of minutes, when I'm just kind of going over my intro and just saying, saying hey, this is who I am and establishing my character as to who I am and the hellos and how do's part of my set. A guy yells up something about Ice Cube. All I heard was something about Ice Cube. Now, that's not surprising to me. People say this all the time to me. Oh, you look like Ice Cube. Okay, I get it. Yeah. But I didn't hear what he said. All I heard was Cube. And then I just said, excuse me, sir, what was that? And the crowd, anytime you ask the audience to repeat it, comedy audiences, well, I put it this way. New, untrained comedy audiences have this idea that, oh, they're going to get them. This is where the comic gets them. They go, ooh. I go, I don't know why you're ooing. Uh, I just wanted to hear what he had to say. And I didn't hear. And I'm asking him to repeat it. That's it. This type of 
elementary school type of, ooh, here comes the comic. They said something, the comic said something back, ooh. First of all, why are you ooing? You heard someone say something. You should have ooed when they said something because that was the thing that was out of place. Why the fuck are you yelling up at the, the performer? This is not home. It's not television. Why are you speaking back to the performer when you weren't asked? So as an audience, if you're going to ooh, ooh when something was said because you all heard it. Don't ooh when the comic says, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, here we go. Oh, it's about to get something. So he then says, instead of just saying, you look like Ice Cube, which is fine because, like I said, I've I've heard that many times before. He says, he tries to put it into a joke where he says, uh, Ice Cube came to the festival and uh, he didn't leave, which I'm sure he thought was funny. No one laughed. And I said, oh, okay, I I get it. I look like Ice Cube. Oh, yes, uh, sir, I, I hear that often. I hear that a lot, that I I look like Ice Cube. Or somewhat frequently. It's not often. It's somewhat frequently I hear that, yes, I look like Ice Cube. And then to just make sure, to make sure that this is not something that's going to keep going. And I was also annoyed that he tried to put it into a joke as opposed to just saying it like a regular human being. This idea where audience members, and I'm going to tell you who it is, it is 95% dudes and 5% drunken women that believe they are, I don't know what the end game is, but somehow in their heads, they believe I got to have some jokes. I got to have some repartee to go back and forth with the comic. No, no, you don't. We, we have jokes. I know where you saw it, or maybe you went to a show and and you thought that that was the funniest part is when the comic was saying things to the audience member and insulting them. And, oh, it was the craziest thing. It was so great because it was off the cuff and in the moment. Uh, it wasn't the best part of the show. The best part of the show was the material that that person had prepared. The best part of the show was that material that the person honed and craft, crafted to present to an audience of strangers to make them laugh. That other part of the show where they had to get involved with an audience member just happened to be part of the sh- part of that evening. But it's not part of the show. It's not the show. And it's not the thing that the comic wants. We all have jokes. Well, otherwise, we'd have to rely upon you to yell up stupid shit. How great would that show be? Yeah, I paid my 20 bucks to come in and... I don't know. The uh, comic wasn't funny. Nobody said anything. He kept asking people and nobody presented anything for the comic to turn into funny. Well, is that the comic's fault? Or is that your fault as an audience member that you weren't prepared? You see, you see how it works? Either you come prepared with all your little repartee and zingers. Or you sit down and watch and let the comic who's prepared the show do their job. I mean, there's no in between. It's it's either or of those things. So sit down, shut up. And like I said, it's mostly guys. Mostly guys with their buddies that want to be funny. I don't know what the problem is with dudes, man. I don't. I have never been a dude dude. 
majority of my friends all throughout life have been women because I find them to be smarter and just get life better. I know it's it's a, a cliche and a stereotype, but guys are stupid. They're goddamn idiots is what they are. I've had a handful of dude friends throughout my life, and most of the time they stay the same dude for the, for the majority of my life. I'm not interested in meeting new guy friends at all because they're goddamn idiots. They really are. I don't know how they manage, but the majority of them are fools. So it's usually guys. So the guy is the one that said, and I don't know what company he was with, but he put together his ice cube thing. So I said to him, I said, I know, sir, that you think that I look like ice cube. But the truth of the matter is the only reason I look like Ice Cube to you is because Ice Cube is not standing next to me. And if Ice Cube were standing right next to me, you would see that we are completely different human beings and we look nothing alike. And the only reason that you think that we look alike is just an example of how few black people you know. And he actually said, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're right. And, uh, So I told the crowd at that point, I said, I know that you guys are waiting for the comic to come back with the snappy repartee between the thing, but that's not what I do, because it's not. If you were going to heckle because you thought, hey, I'm going to get a laugh here, I'll let you get your laugh, and then I will chastise you for yelling up when you weren't spoken to. I'm not into the whole, hey, I'm going to say something and then you'll say something and then I'm going to get a big laugh here. I don't. I got jokes. I came to tell jokes. I'm too old and I've been doing this too long. Uh, When I'm dealing with a heckler that I find to be a jackass or malicious, my goal is to make them cry. I want to be so mean to them that it makes them cry. And I don't care if it's funny or not. I want it to be personal and harsh. I want you to leave the room offended. But more than anything, I want you to leave the room. So I said this in a different manner to them. And the audience laughed and stuff. And that was it. We moved on. Did the show. Show was fine. There is an hour in between the second show and the third show. I'm sitting backstage. Nothing's going on. Show starts up. I go up. It's a small crowd. It's like uh, about 40 people, but they're nice. They've got good energy. They want, they want to play. They want to have fun. That's always good. You, if you want to have 40 people on a late show, you'd rather have this 40 people that are energetic to be there than 40 people who are all of a sudden tired and sucking the energy out of the room. As a, uh, or the other contrast is a room full of young, drunk idiots. That's the worst. So this, this is a good scenario. I go up. I do my set with them. It's all fine. We have a nice time. I go downstairs to the bar as I do every night before I leave, just kind of hang out, unwind before I get ready to walk the, I don't know, 25 steps back to the condo. And a guy is now at the bar who wasn't there minutes ago, and uh, he's getting a beer. And then we're just watching basketball highlights on the TV, me and a couple of other comics. Nobody's saying anything. We're just watching. He then chimes in, directing at me. 
you are a shitty comic. You are the shittiest comic I've ever seen in my life. Now, everyone thinks he's joking because there was no shows that had this type of vitriol against me or any type of thing like that. There were three shows and they were all three good times and we are all done now. Then as we're looking at him and just going, when is this, when's he going to drop this bit about me being a shitty? Cause I thought he's like, you're a shitty comic. He's just joking around and go, oh, but you made me laugh. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then it turns out, starts to reveal that no, he's not joking. He's really angry because his voice is elevating. He's yelling more and more. Now he's standing a ways away from me. He's not in my face yelling, but he's standing about eight feet away, 10 feet away from me yelling about how I'm the shittiest comic ever. And uh, I said, well, okay, that's fine. Um, then, he, then he reveals, he goes, I'm the guy that said you look like iced tea or ice cube. And now it starts dawning me. Oh my God, you are a dude from two shows ago? You're a dude from something that happened three and a half hours ago. This is who you are? You're not even from the most recent show. You're from two shows ago. And you're back here in the thing yelling about this because you got insulted because I didn't find your Ice Cube comment to be entertaining enough for you? And he's yelling, and I said, well, that is fine, sir, but uh, it doesn't matter because I'm rich. And he says, I don't care if you're rich. I work hard for my job. I said, I work hard too, sir. And then he just keeps going off. You said you're going to insult my family, which I did. I said, uh, I said, I, but I wasn't referring actually right to him. But I did tell the audience that I go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want a person to cry. I want them to leave hurt. I said, I don't care about what goes on. I'll insult your entire family line. I don't care. He's like, you said you're going to insult my family line. And it just kept going. He goes, I didn't even want a beer. I just came in here to let you know I thought you were shitty coming. And, uh, and now other guys who were at the uh, show, the recent show, the third show, it's a bunch of young guys who were now playing pool they were over there and, and the pool table is i don't know it, it's next to this whole thing that's going on they start chiming in they go no he's not he's very funny he's funny it was a great show he's funny what is wrong with you dude blah 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 blah, blah. they start chiming in he starts yelling i go uh now now he's 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 made me mad because i realize who he is I was playing along at first because I thought he was joking, but now I remember who he is, and now I'm angry again at this knucklehead who's decided to come back to the club. I'm keeping a close eye on him because I know he's got a beer and he's belligerent, so I'm making sure that whatever happens with that beer, I keep an eye of where that beer bottle is. And uh, then he's just yelling, and I, I go, all right, dude, uh, this is enough for this. I said, uh, I will insult your entire family. I go, and your family must know because of the fact that you're here by yourself. You're an embarrassment to them. You're an absolute 100% embarrassment to where are your friends? Why are you here by yourself? You're an embarrassment to anyone who knows you for crying out loud. Then the bartender starts ushering him out. And then he walks by me and uh, I tell him, 
you got to get the fuck out of my face. See, let me, let me let you in on a little secret, listeners of this particular podcast. I'm a very nice man. I'm a very respectful man. I am, uh, I, I try my hardest to do the right thing at the right times all the time. But underneath, and I don't know how deep it goes. I don't know how deep the layer of nice is. But underneath is a level of uncontrollable rage that I have learned to cope with and deal with my entire life. And uh, I'm not proud of it. Uh, I just know it's something that's within me. I know it's something that's been within me for as long as I've had memories, to tell you the truth. So I, I have gone to a particular counseling from time to time. Uh, I'm not in it currently, but I have gone from time to time to kind of address what is the issue of this rage that I know is bubbling underneath that is never... No, I take it back. I would say it's never been released, but I take it back. It has been. It has been released once that I recall in my lifetime. And I was very young when it was released. And uh, after that, I've gotten a handle on it. And I handle it by being funny. I, If I'm in any type of confrontational uh, situation, I will be funny. Uh, I will be insulting, but I'll be funny. I think I've said this on a previous podcast, that when I'm angry... I'm extremely funny. I am very, very funny when I'm angry. But I also know that I'm angry. And the funny helps diffuse it. So there was a moment where I could feel the rage. You know, like in the the Avengers, when Iron Man, Tony Stark keeps saying, let me know when Banner's there. And then Banner shows up. And uh, he goes to fight the uh, the machine that's there. And Captain America says, hey, don't you have to get angry? And he says, uh, that's the trick. I'm always angry. That's me. I'm always angry. And so it's a, I've managed to always control the Hulk. I have managed to always, with exception of one time in my life, and I was very young, not even adult young, kid young. That's when I knew that there was a problem, by the way. Uh, I've been managed, I've managed to uh, control that rage. But there was a point where this dude was about to make the rage come out as an adult. And uh, so then I immediately went to just being funny. There was never a point where he was, uh, there was going to be a physical confrontation because he didn't come at me but when he did walk right by me uh he didn't say anything and i told him to get the fuck out of my face as he was walking had he said something anything at that point in time it wouldn't have uh it wouldn't have been pretty because that's how close the rage was It was, I'm waiting for you to say one more thing when you're right in front of my face. He ended up walking out. Nothing happened. 
It's not like he was waiting for me after as I walked out. He was busy talking to other people on the street that he didn't know. Uh, I don't know what he was talking about, but the fact that he was still out there a few minutes later, which was odd, it was up way up the street and stuff, but he was drunk. Another reason I don't like drunk people. Uh, another reason that it's so annoying to be near drunk people because they can just act like this. And then tomorrow morning, which would be today, who knows what happened? He probably won't even remember that he was a jackass because none of his friends were around to tell him. But what he did do was he came out. He's like, I'm going to be funny in front of my friends. This is another reason why I said that I cannot stand guys, especially groups of guys. I know groups of guys that are cool and smart, that are funny, and uh, or even guys that aren't comics, that, that just play basketball, that just like hanging. I, those are fine. That's fine. It's the group of drunken, drinking work buddies that I find to be moronic. And so... I know that he thought that he was going to be funny and then he got his head handed to him and everyone laughed at him that to the point where his friends kept saying, oh, you thought you were funny and the comic slammed you. And then he just let it fester. It's like, that's it. I'm going back to the club and I'm going to tell that guy that he's a shitty comic. I, he was drunk. So he, when he was first did it, he wasn't drunk. He was, or I don't know, maybe he was. Uh, but when he came back to the club, he was obviously drunk. But the fact that you came back drunk, not realizing, oh, that dude that said it the first time that I said it to told me in no uncertain terms that he was not one to be messed around with. Why wouldn't you just leave that dude alone? Your opinion is he's a shitty comic. All right, then go on with your life. I'll go on with my shitty comic life. You'll go on with whatever your life is. And just leave it. But alcohol starts playing in. And the friends and the buddy. Ah, you, yeah, nah. So that was the instance that took place last night. So yesterday, ups, good shows. Downs, weird prejudice thing that took place at Pickleball. And then... The dude that waited three and a half hours to come back to let me know I was a shitty comic at the club. How, how was your Friday? <laughs> how, was your, how was your Friday? Was your Friday better? Oh, man. Ain't, ain't life grand, ain't it? Oh, it's the best. Whoops, that was me bumping the table. So here in Ottawa, I got three things tonight. I got a show tomorrow. There'll be pickleball tomorrow. We'll see what happens on that. Uh, as I said, catch you up on the cruises. I, I've not been on a cruise for a while, and it's been very nice. I don't get on a cruise until January 14th, and uh, there's a part of me that was missing it. There was a part of me that was missing it quite a bit because I feel like I panicked and that I... Uh, I looked at my calendar and saw there was a space opening. And as a comic, you get conditioned to going, oh, my goodness, how is there openings? I got to put dates on the, in those openings. And it turns out I didn't really need to put dates in those openings because cruise work would have come through. Had I been available, they would have definitely someone, either, either of the three, Princess Celebrity or Holland, would have put dates 
on that calendar. And it is, it's an interesting uh, catch 22 to be involved in, you know, you, you get involved with the money that is a, a very nice level of pay that you get used to accustomed to on the cruise ship, but it also keeps you away from land. And if you keep away from land too long, as I've said in other episodes, they forget who you are. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're out on sea. So nobody even bothers thinking about you. So you have to keep the balance. So this, for me, was the compromise of the balance. Yeah, I'll be away from cruises for two months. But uh, I'll also uh, be able to get my foot into clubs. Now, when I got here and saw that the weather was miserable, that was another reason I was second-guessing myself. I'm like, yeah, you should have waited. But so far, so good. No snow supposedly snow tomorrow not a lot but some and maybe hopefully that'll be the only snow i see that would be fantastic because anytime this time of year this place is covered with snow they got no snow they're a little worried about it i'm not let it stay like this till i leave on tuesday then you guys can have all the snow you want to open up the snow floodgates as far as i'm concerned but to be able to come out of three weeks of this and realize, oh, it's three weeks and money-wise, I'm going to make maybe as much as I would in one week on a ship. I guess when it comes down to it, probably not even that much because I had to pay for my own flight and stuff here. Even though we've done extra shows, I had to pay for my own flight here and back uh, plus food and other that. Yeah, I'm, I would be making a bit less, considerably less than I would on the ship. For one week, that's that's all three weeks. Because also factor into the idea that uh, we got the I'm paid in Canadian dollars here, so it's Canadian dollars. And then by you do the conversion, yeah, it compared to one week on a ship, I'm making considerably less money. So I then thought, what what do we do? How do you fix this? What do you do about it? Well, you uh, you get work done. That's what you do. You get work done. And so far, I've been pretty good at it. I sat down and wrote some things. I've added tags to things. I wrote a 15-minute piece the other night, wrote it during the day, memorized it, and then went into the club and performed it. And it turns out, according to uh, my plan and, and thoughts and the whole blueprint, it worked. It was very interesting because it is a piece about sex, which is, that is completely out of the ordinary for me to write an entire chunk about sex. Now, some of it had to do with one joke here, one joke there that I already had, but I rarely would do about sex. If it came up, then I would go, I'd throw this joke in, but to write an entire chunk from beginning to end that is all about sex in a way that I feel comfortable telling that says, hey, this is this is me. This is a representation of my writing and my style. This is it. I was very proud of it. I'm very proud of the piece. I'm very proud of the work. I'm very proud of all the time that was put into it. I'm proud of the fact that I trusted my instincts and that the instincts were correct. So uh, I, I look forward to it. It's Now it's not a piece I can do on a ship. On the uh, adult show, on the celebrity, I can do it. And uh, uh, I, I can't do it on the other lines. But I can do it in a club. 
And when you're dealing with the drunken young idiots at late shows, I feel like I, I just bought a sword, an Excalibur type of sword that I can now do for 15 minutes and close the show with and not have to worry about uh, these people getting bored because my material's too smart. Here's the weird thing about it. It may be the smartest sex chunk anyone's ever done. Like, it's still full of smart. So it's still me. It's just the top, the subject matter is different than what I would normally be talking about. But still Lamont Ferguson style, because it's still hella smart. So I did get that accomplished. I'm happy with that, because there was a time where I was missing. I was like, see all my friends on ships, and I'm like, oh, man, I could be on a ship. But now I'm, I'm good. I got 15. If I can get another 10 sit down in the next week and plus and go home with another 10 minutes that that makes 25 minutes of brand new stuff and that will make me very happy and that will be worth the time here perfect as long as you can get some work done that's that's how it works that's for me that that makes up for the money that I wouldn't have been making so I'm happy I'm happy there with that the is it, oh, I said it was on the ships. All the ships were fine. Uh, here, I'll tie back in this thing with pickleball. The last couple of weeks I was on a Holland ship, it was the most amazing pickleball adventure ever. It may as well have been a pickleball cruise. Because there was a group on that second week of 35 people who were there as a pickleball cruise. 35 pickleball uh, players from a retirement community that would block off certain times of the court. And uh, I didn't know that they had these times blocked off, but I went up and was ready to play, and it, and they had the time reserved, which I didn't know, but they were very friendly, as pickleball people are, and then I ended up knowing a lot of them, and then they just let me play with them, and it was great. On average, crazy, because there was also another group, well... There were separate groups that were there. They just happened to be friends, and they happened to be avid pickleball players. Some of them were very, very good. And so I would say there was about 50 pickleball players on that uh, the last week I was on the ship. And on average, I played about three and a half hours a day of pickleball. So my game improved. My game improved quite a bit, mainly because a lot of those people were way better than I M. And that's, you know, it's the whole thing. Arpen, I, Arpen, Arpen. Iron sharpens iron. And that was the best thing. I say this about comedy. The only way you're going to get any better is to be around comics that are better than you. And I believe the same thing with any sport. The only way you're going to get any better is to be around people that are better than you. It was hard pressed for me to break into the top 10 players that were on the ship. Like, maybe I was 10th. Maybe. I don't know. I, I highly doubt it. But at best, I was 9th or 10th. And most likely, I was 11th or 12th. But it was fun. It was a great group of people. And it was fantastic. The shows themselves were good. And a fun time. And worked with uh, Kristen Key, who I'd never worked with before, who was also a pickleball player. And she was a great hang, a fantastic act, and a, a fun, fun, good pickleball player to play with. 
So I look forward to hopefully we'll be on a ship at some point in time again together, and that will be fantastic. So that was the cruise update and the pickleball update. Now let's get to all the other updates. Let's get to whatever I've got that's been going on in the news. Hmm? Maybe hopefully I can try to make this funnier. Because right now it's not been funny. Right now this has been therapy, for Christ's sake. And I thank you for it. (laughs) I thank you for helping to uh, keep the Hulk under control. So I don't smash. There is a big news. Let's see, what do we got? Let's go in uh, chronological order. Thank goodness Herschel Walker lost. I was talking about Herschel Walker on a few podcasts about how I can't believe that this took place. And then the runoff took place and it was still close. Good Lord. How was it close? How was the most underqualified person to be a U.S. senator? That It's an important position, I believe. Isn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got to look up what exactly a U.S. senator is. Because the way the people in Georgia were treating this, I don't think it's important. I don't think it's important at all. I don't think it's an important job. Because if you can put this guy in that job, then there's no way possible that it is an important position. They they let this dude go off. Once... It became a point after the election in November that there was going to be a runoff. He then just went berserk. It's the only way I could describe it. He was busy talking about vampires and and werewolves and what he would rather be and uh, fences and dogs and all sorts of nonsense. How is it that anyone would show up at a rally and be like, that's our guy. If that's your guy, I don't know how dumb you must be. I really don't. Marshall Warfield has one of the greatest phrases. She said, I don't know what she was talking. Oh, I know what she was talking. It's a joke she did on The Tonight Show way back in the day where she said, you ever met somebody that says they forgot to eat? Forgot to eat. She says this phrase, you've got to be a special kind of stupid to forget to eat. So to quote Marshall Warfield, you have got to be a special kind of stupid to support Herschel Walker as being a representative for anything, anything. I don't know what he's qualified to do because I don't know what he does prior to running for the U.S. Senate. I think he just specializes in being Herschel Walker, which is a fine gig. He was a great college football player. He was a big uh, deal as far as within the folklore of football. He helped the Dallas uh, Cowboys become the champions they became in the 90s. Not because he played on the team, but because they traded and got the draft picks that created that team. He had a great first season of the USFL that was owned by Donald Trump, or no, Donald Trump owned the New Jersey Generals. So there's that connection. But if you hear this dude talk, 
this dude speak. I I don't know how you can go, yeah, that that's the guy that's going to get things accomplished. This dude's talking about air being Chinese air and this type of air and the good air goes here, the good air decides to go. I, 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 I've, I've changed my thoughts about Georgia. I used to think, oh, it, it must be all right. And now I think, no. I don't know how they manage. I said this before. You people that are so dumb, you're like, how are you surviving? How do you get up every day, go to where you're supposed to go, and somehow you don't get your foot stuck in the toilet? I'm sorry, boss. I can't come in. I got my foot stuck in the toilet. Again? This is the fourth time this week. Well, you know, I am stupid. That That's the only thing I can imagine. That's how dumb they must be. Or, or, I'm a genius. It's one of the two. They got to be that dumb or I'm a genius. I don't think I'm a genius. They got to be that dumb. Was, it was way too close. The numbers seem to be that it was 96% of African Americans voted for Warnock. That's smart. That makes sense. I want the names of the other 4% of African Americans who decided to vote for Herschel Walker. Their names need to be public knowledge on black Twitter. We need to know who these people are. Who these people that looked at that caricature of a black person and went, that's the person that represents me. Whoever those people are, we need to let them know. One, you're free. (laughs) Yeah, because the only people that I would think that would say, hey, that's the person for us would happen to be people that still believe that they they are slaves. They don't know slavery ended. They must not know slavery ended. They must think that they are are not free. Because that's the only way you could look at that guy and go, that's a representative of what a black man is. This dude. I need I need the names of those people. Those people talk about what is it? Get your black card revoked? Yeah. Whatever happens to them, let them let it happen to them. And black people should let it happen to them and let them go. Black people are a little too forgiving and too uh, supportive of the community. Some people you got to let go. 4% of people that voted, the 4% of black people that voted for Herschel Walker, you got to let them go. We got to let them go. We got to be Rose on that door at the end of the Titanic. Could we fit, could we fit Jack on? We could. Mm, I'm not taking that chance. Goodbye, glub, 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 goodbye. So that was that. The good news, bad news of the Herschel Walker thing. There was some fantastic news. I heard it because I can't really sleep while I'm here. I don't know what it is. I don't think there's enough humidity in the air or whatever's going on. I wake up every morning at the same time around 5.40 540 this time, which is 240 my time. So that makes no sense. But I wake up at 540 and I was awake waiting for the wave of back to sleep to occur. And I heard the news. Yes. Was it yesterday? 
that Brittany Griner had been freed and she was coming home. Uh, and that it was a, you know, a prisoner swap, a prisoner exchange for uh, Victor, what's his name, Bout, the uh, Lord of War dude. And all I, I nearly cried because I was just so happy that she was coming home because I could not imagine how horrible that must be for her. And so I was I was thrilled and so happy that she was it was over for her, that she was going to come home and her life was going to get back to whatever the normal is at her coming back. I stayed off of social media because I knew there'd be the backlash. I did see a couple of things here and there, but I didn't go deep into it. So I was out. I was good about, oh, but what about this arms dealer? I can't believe we traded this drug head for this arms dealer. And then uh, I saw someone put, they were being funny and they said, oh, wonder what time Brittany will be getting high by the time she comes back. And so then somebody said, or what time uh, the drug dealer, the drug, the arms guy will kill someone. And I thought, well, that was a dumb thing to say because someone has been shot within the time it took them to put that post, but they didn't give a damn about that. That's how much gun violence we have in America. That by the time you put that post wondering when the arms dealer was going to shoot someone, I guarantee you in America, at least three or four people had been shot. But you didn't care about that. You didn't give a damn about that. They cared about this. And this is another thing. I got to keep yelling about this. Because I also saw people talk about, what about this teacher? They could have traded for this teacher or this other person that was being uh, held as being a spy. A basketball player? I can't believe a basketball player. What's great about her? Everyone dances around it because it's, again, it's white folks. I wish it wasn't. I wish I could tell you the black people that are busy against this. But I don't see it. I do see a ton of white folks that will say everything around it except for the one thing that is the truth. You're not angry because of this or that. You're angry because you believe how did a black person get freed before a white person? Just say it. I'm going to tell you something. The thing I admired about Trump being in office, yeah, how about that is a crazy statement is that it made the racist people who wanted to be racist feel fine about being racist. And as a black person, I will say this because I I had this debate with another, with a black comic and he said, no, I didn't want it that way, that he didn't want it that way. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. I do. I want all racism out in the open. I want it out in the open. That way I know what I'm dealing with. This concealment of, Oh, I'm just angry inside, but I'm going to find 12 different excuses as to why I'm denying this for you. But the real excuse is because you're black and I don't like black people. I'd rather you tell me because you're black, you don't like black people. I don't know who these people are that say that I'd rather them not say anything. That makes no sense. So all the people that are mad about Brittany Griner being freed and want to say all the litany of excuses, well, she did have pot. Well, wait a minute. The dude that you claim 
uh, that is there for espionage, how come the counts against him aren't valid, but the counts against Brittany are? You can't have it both ways. You can't go, oh, those are trumped up espionage charges against that dude, but they're definitely real pot charges against Brittany. Well, which one is it? They're both the same government. They're both the Russian government. One you believe it for, the other you don't. Let's take a look at the scenario. What's the difference? And now tell me that it has nothing to do with the color of one's skin. I don't, I believe Brittany. I believe that she's probably done that before because she's worked in Russia before. She said that she had some type of uh, exemption. I believe it. Do I believe the spy has trumped up charges? Could be. But do you see how I believe both on the same thing? I don't believe one over the other. I didn't say, no, that was trumped up charges against Britney, but boy, that sure was a spy. I bet he is a spy. Nope. It's got to be one or the other. And all the people that want to make all the excuses are making all the excuses except for the one thing that you should be saying. You know what? I'm outraged because how dare a black person get preference over a white person? Just say it. Just say it. Nothing's going to happen to you. All we're going to do is go, thank you. At least now we know. You ever been in in an argument? You've seen couples get in an argument and one of them's lying and they go, look, just tell me. Just tell me the truth. I just want to hear the truth. Just tell me the truth. Well, that's how minorities feel. Just say the truth. And we can get through this. Tell me the truth, and we can get through this. So I am, I'm thrilled, I'm ecstatic that Brittany is home. And I don't care that the Lord of War is out. <laughs> I don't. Like, there haven't been arms dealers that took his place. The, I'm sure there was a number two arms dealer. I'm sure there was a number three. I'm sure there were many other arms dealers. He happened to be the one we made a movie about. But there were other arm there are other arms dealers out there. And somehow you care about that one. But you don't give a damn about the one that is supplying guns to people in America that is allowing school shootings and other types of shootings all the time. Where's your outrage about those lords of war? Cuz I don't see that. The final news item that I've got is, uh, look, I've told you before, I I try to see the idea. I can see both sides. I can see the legitimacy from both sides. I've said this many times on this podcast. The far right is not the problem. The far left is the problem. The far right is a problem, but they're not as problematic as the far left. And I've said that many times, and I still stand by that. The far left is more problematic than the far right. 
because the far left gets lumped into left. I've seen, maybe not publicly, the, the right will disavow the far right. Sometimes it happens. It's not all the time. It's rare, but it does happen. I have rarely, if ever, seen the left disavow the far left. Never. I'd have to think hard about a time when I actually saw it, because I don't see it. Sam Britton, I believe is the gentleman's name, who is a part of the Biden administration, who is uh, the head of uh, energy, nuclear energy. He's a scientist. He's an engineer. He's actually a nuclear engineer, which is the same thing that my father was. And he heads up that. Now, he is a non-binary person. So his pronoun is they and them. It's not even about that. I'm just telling you what it is when I... Let's see, I've even messed up because I said he is a non-binary person. They are a non-binary person. I'll get it. Don't worry. Don't get all upset at me. I'll get it. It is one of these things where... I Look, I saw Wanda Sykes, a clip about Wanda Sykes doing... A clip of Wanda Sykes doing stand-up. And she said she took on the subject of the pronoun non-binary people. And she goes, everyone's upset about these pronouns. We don't know what to call them, how to do it. And she says, how come the kids get it? And she talked about her kids who were young. I don't even know how old they are. I think they're under 10. And they had a kid in their class that was non-binary. And the son said, he and the daughter said, no, 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 they're non-binary. It's they. And then the son went, oh, okay, they. And she said, see, if the kids get it, how come you can't get it? Because the kids had no other training. That's why. The kids had no other education. They did not have decades of education saying this is how it is. And now all of a sudden it's different. And now I'm going to be angry at you because you can't catch on with something that we just invented, even though you had decades of learning that was a different way. That's why kids catch on, because their world is right there in front of them. There's not been any changes. It is what it is. This is the thing I've got a problem with. The idea that can can the people who, who are willing to change have a goddamn minute Everything does not have to be right at your whim because you came up with an invention and all of a sudden go, oh, by the way, how come you don't get it? You're racist. You're obtuse. You're this. You're that. Give me a minute. Give me a minute to adjust. Give me a minute to to learn something that I just learned against decades of learning and conditioning that I had. Is that too much of a fucking problem? Can we have that? You got to be shitting me. So this is the thing. Sam Britton, head of the energy, non-binary. For the second time, let me repeat that. For the second time, they have been charged with stealing luggage from the airport. Stealing other people's luggage from the airport. Apparently, this person has stolen two different luggages of women's. I don't know how they knew it was woman. But stolen luggage, been caught with the luggage, lied about having the luggage, 
And this is the person who's on the Biden administration. The right is calling for their resignation, which I agree. Now, the left will say, oh, no, because uh, here's the thing about Sam. I've seen pictures, the public pictures of Sam. And I'm, I'm going to say it. I don't care. They are an odd-looking character. They wear what seems to be uh, makeup. Fine. I don't care. George Michael wore makeup. He was beautiful. Sam doesn't seem to know how to wear makeup. Sam puts on lipstick like Sam is the Joker. Sam's got a giant clown smear of, of lipstick and uh, a dress, wearing a dress. Whatever. You want to wear a dress? Good for you. Wear a dress. It's not about that. It's odd. I'll tell you that. There are certain things that happen in the business world that we look at as being that's the model for a business world. Sam don't fit that model. Sam does not fit that model at all. But okay, can you do the job? Can you can you do the job? Can you be the head of uh, nuclear energy or whatever it is you are? Uh, I'm going to say no. No, you can't because you're too busy stealing suitcases. So the left would say no, no, they, they can't because uh, the right only wants them uh, fired because... Uh, uh, because they're non-binary and they are whatever the ist is against non-binaryist, I guess is what it would be. They are non-binaryist against them and that's why they want the fire. No, 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 they want them fired because they're stealing suitcases because there's something wrong with them. Now, I don't say there's something wrong with them because they wear women's clothing. I will say there's something wrong with them because they don't know how to put on fucking makeup. I will say that. They don't know how to put on makeup. Talk to a woman. If you see a woman that has makeup on like that, you're like, what's wrong with you? Hey, honey, what, what's wrong? What, what, what happened? So there, there's nothing wrong with, with that type of idea. I, I but there's something wrong with this person. There's something wrong with them that they can't do their job. There's something problematic with them that you're stealing luggage. That's a problem. That's a red flag that leads to other red flags. Now, I don't, I'm not saying you can make the connection because you can't. But I can't make the connection that there's something wrong with them. I can say that. And this is the problem. Because the, the far left and the left will fight for this person to try and keep this person in. This person is grossly underqualified for this job or unqualified, not underqualified. They're actually a nuclear engineer, but unqualified for this job because they're busy stealing other people's luggage. They don't understand right and wrong for crying out loud. Uh, I will say this. I, I'm puzzled by the, uh, the vast amount of the non-binary folks. I mean, I get it. I want to be a person. Okay, fine. I don't want to fit into the uh, the blueprints of what a man is or what a woman is. Well, that that's fine. But the truth is you could make that blueprint, you could change. Because, you know, the, the stereotypical saying is, oh, well, act like a man. Well, okay, what does a man act like? Ignorant? Stubborn? Obtuse? Okay, well, guess what? I don't want to be that. I want to be different. 
I still want to be a man, but I want to be different man. I want to be someone that's, uh, that's caring, that's, uh, 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 be able to, to, to express my feelings. Nurturing, still a man, but I want to change all those benchmarks from what a stereotypical man is, but I'll still be a man. I get it. That's fine. I want to be a woman, but I don't want to be that stereotypical type of woman. Then fine. Change the narrative. Good for you. Change the narrative. This idea that I'm just going to be person. Okay, fine. But don't lump it in with the transgender people or the gay people. Because that's another problem. Again, you got to start cutting these things off and looking at it and going, no. I'm asking a question. Um, where are the non-binary people of color? I'm curious because I've yet to see one. I know they're out there. I know they have to be out there. But I'm curious as to why I've not seen one publicly. I've not seen anyone publicly be a non-binary, to have a non-binary person. I've not seen anyone come forward I've not seen anyone in the news today. It's this person because every person I see in the news is a white person. Every non-binary person I have ever seen is white. I'm just asking a question. I would like to see them because I have a theory. My theory is this is just another... I need attention type of deal because being white is not enough. Could be. But I'm going to base it on this. Every gay person I've ever met, every gay person I know, it's not a choice for them to be gay. Every gay person I've ever met personally, every gay person I've ever known personally, not a choice for them to be gay. You wanted to be non-binary. You made a choice. That was a choice you made. And we somebody needs to say that. I think I just did. All right, folks. I there was I don't find anything that was funny here. I, I it may be interesting. Maybe controversial, but I'll be the first to admit that I, I don't know if I found something that was funny into this podcast. The whole idea is that I'm supposed to be able to look at it in a humorous manner. Uh, it was a little, it was a little rough today. If it was, if it was not as funny as it should have been or could have been, I, I apologize. I'll try better next time. It'll be sooner than two months. But it had been two months, and I needed to get some stuff off my chest and get you guys all caught up on what's going on in the findings in the life of Lamont Ferguson. That's me. By the way, the Olivia updates and stuff like that, all is well. The kids are good. I know some people are concerned about that, how the kids are. Olivia's fine. The kids are good. I uh, look forward to going back home on the 19th of January and uh, then going into Christmas mode. And hanging out there for a bit of time till I head back up to Canada where there will be snow because I'm going to Alberta for uh, the week of uh, the first week of the year. And I'm doing New Year's Eve 
at the Comedy Cave in Alberta, Canada. In uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So that that's the kids' update. You've already heard the pickleball update. You've heard the comedy update. That's all the updates. I got no more life updates. All is well. Home life is fine. Everything is fine. Everyone's good. Kids are good. Wife is good. Everyone's good. All things Lamont Ferguson can be found at lamontferguson.com. I should update that website. I've been here all the time. I didn't do anything. I just got a notification. There was another subscriber to my website. I should work on that. I say that every episode. (laughs) You can email the show at oldmanisright at gmail.com. You can let me know about whether or not you know people of color that are non-binary. And then I can be corrected. But it's not corrected. I'm just telling you exactly. I've not seen anyone. I've not seen anyone. There's nothing to correct there. It's what I've seen, what I've been made aware of. So you can let me know on that. Uh, that thing, oh, uh, Lewis and I are doing the uh, the the good green room every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We've still got that going on. And other than that, I believe that is it. I thank you, fine folks. As always, I am greatly and uh, tremendously appreciative that you do tune in. I am appreciative that you spread the word. I'm appreciative that while I was gone for two months, that people still tuned in and listened to episodes of the podcast. And uh, that means a lot. It means a lot. Couldn't do it without you. I'm back now, and hopefully I will try to do better. I know I say that often, but I I will. I I make an effort to try and do better. Try and be better. Try to be more consistent. I talked about a lot today. Good grief, there was a lot. There was a lot of racial things that were said today. There was a lot of talk about prejudice as opposed to racism. We got to understand that type of nuance. That's what will help us. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong about, man, there, boy, there was a lot I could have been wrong about today, right? There was a lot. I could have been wrong about the idea that uh, that there are no people of color who are non-binary. I could be wrong about the uh, far left being the issue. I, I know I'm not. I'm not. But somehow we got to get this together, people, because I, I know I yeah, you'll you'll send me an email and you'll be mad at me or whatever it is you'll do. And you'll tell me uh, I'm the shittiest comedian <laughs> ever. I ranked very high with that, dude. Some of these things I could be wrong, but, you know, the deal in life. Sometimes the old man is right. I will see you next time.